Hey everyone, welcome to The Pursuit with James Griffin. Today we're talking about what it means to engage and how you can participate. Hey everyone, welcome back to The Pursuit with James Griffin. My name is Mike Anthony and I'm the discipleship pastor here at Cross Point City and I'm here with our lead pastor, James Griffin. Yeah. James, we are continuing on uh, in, as we're unpacking the, our strategy that uh, kind of feeds the mission of our church. Right. Um, so, so far we have covered Gather. Yep. Uh, last week we covered Connect. And real quick, remind us what we meant by Connect. Yeah. So you can't stop at the gathering. The gathering is critically important in the life of the church, but... We need more than that. If we're going to grow in our faith and follow Jesus as disciples, we have to connect in community, in groups with other believers. Right. And so that is central to what we do. We cannot live on mission in isolation. We need each other. Yes, 100%. Now, if you are, if this is the first episode you've listened to because you just found out about this podcast, I would encourage you to go back and listen to the previous episodes too so that you can catch up. But today, we're going to keep moving forward. We're going to tackle the next piece of our strategy, which is engage. So, James, help us understand what do we mean when we say engage? Yeah, when we say engage, we're talking about the mission engage the mission. And again, here at Cross Point, the mission is to relentlessly pursue those far from God to help them know and follow Jesus. And that is all birthed out of what we see in the scriptures, what we would call the Jesus mission. Uh, we see it very, very clearly in Luke chapter 19. And so Jesus is on a trip and he's going through this town called Jericho. There's a wee little man that's there. <laughs> wee little man was that's, he. That's, that's the song I sang growing <laughs> up in church. But uh, the wee little man named Zacchaeus vertically challenged. <laughs> and, you know, at this point, Jesus was basically a celebrity. I mean, a lot of people had heard about his ministry, the things that he was doing to yeah. uh, heal and, and change lives. And so Zacchaeus wanted to see him. Uh, but again, as a, a short man, that was a problem because there were large crowds <laughs> gathering. And and so Zacchaeus did something that a man in this culture would have never done, especially a very wealthy man. Yeah, He ran. He ran. Can you imagine like an Elon Musk or a Bill Gates running to do anything? <laughs> They're not running anywhere. I'm not running anywhere, right? Um, no, but this guy ran, climbed into a tree to see Jesus. Yeah, And I love it. Jesus passes by. And he sees Zacchaeus in the tree, and he does the very offensive thing of inviting himself to Zacchaeus' house. I don't know if you've ever had someone invite themselves to your house, Mike, but <laughs> it's a little strange, but, but this is what Jesus does. It's and a little weird. It is. It's weird. But Zacchaeus was in no way offended. He actually climbed down, received Jesus joyfully. The religious people were offended. Yeah. Uh, they were very shocked that Jesus would spend time with this guy, this sinner. Yeah. And uh, but he goes to his house, and and I think there's a, a lesson to be learned in that for us. When we engage the Jesus mission, we can always expect religious people to be offended by that. Yeah. Uh, anytime God's people pursue sinful people, religious people get upset. But we can't get distracted by that. Yeah. Um, we we can't let those people take us away from the very thing that Christ has called us to do. And so Christ goes to this man's house, and as a result of spending time with Zacchaeus, the brother's life is changed yeah. in an incredible way. Uh, what we see in the text, he actually calls Jesus Lord, which is 
curios, it's master. Uh, so he makes this profession of faith. We see him repenting, mm -hmm. which means to change your mind. And, and it's a change of mind that leads to a change of direction. So instead of continuing to steal money as the tax collector <laughs> that he was, uh, he yeah. starts to give money to the poor. And, and in that we see him making restitution, right? Yeah. Hey, if I've defrauded anyone, I will pay it back fourfold. And so Jesus announces salvation. Salvation has come to this house today. And what's amazing, the Bible doesn't tell us much about Zacchaeus after this point, but church history tells us that he became a pastor in a city called Caesarea. And so he left behind this very lucrative tax collector lifestyle, and he spent his life serving God's church. And according to what Jesus says in Luke 19.10, that's why he came. Yeah. He came to seek out the Zacchaeuses of the world and to save them. Yeah. And he did it all in fulfillment of a promise that God made on page three of the Bible. Um, this is what is known as the Missio Dei. You know, in Genesis 1 and 2, everything was going pretty well, right? <laughs> we had two chapters uh, where everything right. was okay. Two, two chapters, yeah. man, smooth sailing. <laughs> God creates all things, and then he puts these people in charge, Adam and Eve, our first parents, and, and he gives them this mission to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth, to subdue it, and ultimately gave them dominion over all that he made. They yeah. were to rule and reign over the world on God's behalf. And uh, as you said, Mike, they got it right for two whole chapters of the Bible. <laughs> and then on page three, yeah. they crash and burn. Yeah, so and close. That's right, so close. <laughs> but yeah, instead of ruling and reigning for God, they decided to rule in the place of God. Mm -hmm. And so they rejected his authority. They became their own authority. And as a result, really, they handed authority over to the enemy. And what we see in Genesis 3 is all of creation coming under a curse. And this is why the world is so broken today. Yeah. Right. If, if you've ever wondered why are things so jacked up and, and why are things the way they are, uh, it's because of what happened in Genesis 3. Mm -hmm. um, this is what happens when mankind rejects God and his way of life. This is what sin does. It causes destruction. It causes death. But even in the midst of, of their rebellion, God made this very, very hopeful promise. We see it in Genesis 3.15. This is the Missio Dei. The first announcement of the gospel we see in the Bible. And at this point, God is speaking directly to Satan, the tempter, um, who at the time was disguised in the form of a serpent. Yeah. And he says to him, I love this language. The woman, she'll have an offspring and you're going to bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. <laughs> love that, man. That's so good. And, and One he's, sounds worse than the other. It does, just a little. I would rather have a bruised heel than a crushed head, yes. right? Yeah. Um, but he's obviously speaking here about Jesus. This was a promise to send a Savior into the world to reverse the curse of sin. And when you keep reading the Old Testament, you start to see that beautiful plan of redemption unfold. Mm -hmm. You know, God, Genesis 12, calls out a man named Abraham. And he uses Abraham as Abram at the time, still a pagan when God sought him out. Um, but he used Abraham to build this nation of people, mm -hmm. uh, the nation of Israel. Uh, at the end of Genesis, they were in the land of Egypt, right, as slaves. And then God led them out. This great exodus took place. It's salvation in the Old Testament. And then he starts leading them to this land of promise. And along the way, establishes not only the, the priesthood, but establishes the law, gives his people the law so they know how to live in the land that he's giving them, uh, sets up the sacrificial system yeah. so that when the people break the law, they have a way to make it right, a way to seek atonement or forgiveness for their sins. And then in the book of Numbers, here are the people on the edge of that promised land, and they're ready to go in. They're almost there. Almost there, so <laughs> close. And, 
And they did exactly what Adam and Eve did. Yeah. They rebelled against the God who had brought them to this place. And, and instead of trusting him and obeying him, they sinned against him. And you see that same pattern continue all throughout the Old Testament, right? Yep. Um, eventually, the people of Israel come into the land, and it's idolatry, and it's social injustice, and it's religious ritualism, and it's just this repeated cycle of, man, we're suffering for the sake of sin, and they repent, and God forgives, and it just starts all over again. Yeah. And, uh, and God is very gracious in the midst of it all. And, and even to the point where he starts sending prophets to the people, calling them to <laughs> repentance yeah, yeah. so that they can experience blessing instead of cursing. And one of the things that we see from many of these prophets is that Genesis 3.15 promise. Um, God is continuing to tell his people about this savior and this king that is on the way. And then we get to John chapter 1. Uh, the gospel of John, and we see what is known as the incarnation, which means to put on flesh or to put on meat. Yeah. And this is what Christ did 2000 years ago. The son of God left his throne in heaven, put on meat, mm -hmm. uh, moved into our neighborhood, if you will, <laughs> right? Wore our clothes, spoke yeah. our language, ate our food, uh, because that's what great missionaries do. And Jesus Christ came in fulfillment of that promise, that Genesis 3.15 promise. He came to reverse the curse of sin. Yeah. He came to seek and save the lost. He came to destroy sin, death, and hell forever. Yeah. And the hope of knowing Christ is just that. Um, if we belong to him, we've been set free from those things. Mm -hmm. We've been saved from the penalty of sin. We are being saved from the power of sin. And we have the hope of knowing that one day in the future, we're gonna be saved from the presence of sin. Praise right. God for that. Yeah. And Jesus, though, what, what he started, doesn't stop with him. Mm -hmm. It's not like he just came and did all that and now you know, we're just holding on. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 Jesus has left us here to continue the mission that he started. Yeah. Uh, we see it in John 20, 21, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And we see the details of that in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, which mm -hmm. is the great commission, right? Right. This is where Christ calls us to go into the world and to make disciples, to baptize people, to teach them how to, to follow all of his commandments. And so again, that's the long answer to your question. What do we talk about when we talk about engage? Engaging that, yeah, participating in the mission of Christ uh, so that more people can come to know and follow him. So I think that, you know, as I'm hearing you explain this and just, it's just kind of striking me how amazing it is. One, yeah. that, you know, we couldn't do it. Right. After he gave us multiple chances. Yeah. And opportunities. All I guess if we keep, man kept coming up short. Yep. He finally says, okay, I'm going to come do it for you. Right. Uh, and then he also allows us to participate in yeah. the mission. It's unbelievable. Like, Guys like us. It's crazy. Yeah. Like it, it's, it's just, it blows my mind every time I think about it. Like, okay, the God of the universe wants me to participate in accomplishing his will. It's amazing, isn't it? It's nuts. That God would save sinners and then use sinners to get the good news of salvation to other sinners. Yeah. What a blessing. So let's talk about then because God wants us to participate in yeah. his mission, right? It's not our mission, it's his. Yep. Um, let's, let's get practical. So as a body of believers, you know, the question I have is like, okay, well, how do I do that? Yeah. Because I remember when we were talking about, when we were talking through our mission statement to relentlessly pursue those who are far from God to help them know and follow Jesus, right? And then the joke was like, well, James, good luck. Yeah. You know, you're the pastor <laughs> of the church, so you got to do that, right? Right, right. Uh, and then we talked about, no, it's all of us. We're yes. all playing a part in this. That's right. Um, 
because it's too much mm-hmm. for one person. Yep. Right. Unless you're Jesus. That's right. Right. Yep. Uh, so how you pointed out um, five ways right. that we can engage in the mission. So I'm going to throw these at you and okay. I'm going to ask you to give us a little, put Absolutely. a little more words around them so yep. we can understand them. So the first way you said that we can engage in the mission is through prayer. You said we That's pray. Right. That's right. Yep. Uh, this, this has to be the starting place. Yeah. Because I think prayer reminds us again that we can't accomplish the mission of Christ without his help. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need the power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses for Christ in the world. Right. And so prayer is the way that we confess that. It's the way that we ask for the help that we need to do what we've been called to do. Uh, but a couple simple things that I would say. Number one, think about a Zacchaeus in your life. Yeah. Right. Who, who is someone that you know right now in your neighborhood, in your family, at your workplace, who's far from God, doesn't know Jesus, start praying for them by name every day that God would soften their heart and open their ears to the good news of the gospel. And then I would also say, pray for you. Mm -hmm. Um, Pray that your life would be a testament to his saving power. Pray that he would give you the faith and the courage and the boldness you need to name Christ before that person Uh, I I think about a friend of mine who shared a story with me, this is probably a year or so ago, led his father-in-law to Christ at 80 years old. Wow. 80 years old. Yeah. Had spent years and years and years loving this man, sharing the gospel with this man, um, praying for this man. Yeah. And so I would just say, don't underestimate the power of prayer. Um, you might have to pray for years and years and years before you see fruit, but but prayer is the fuel that keeps us going. So you need to pray. Yeah, I like how you started there because I think what we have the tendency to do is make prayer our last resort, <laughs> right? So. Nothing that I did worked, God, please help. Yes, yeah. like, hey, okay, I'm, I'm tired now, <laughs> Lord, please help me do this because you know, I finally realized I can't do it yep. in my own power. And yep. it's, also, it's also very freeing because when we understand that it is, it's not us that does the saving, we're, doing the, we're just the messenger. That's right. right. So when through that power of the Holy Spirit and the prayer is how, yeah. you know, the primary way we're gonna accomplish the mission. That's okay. right. Second, you said that we can engage the mission uh, through pursuit. Yes. So what did you mean by that? Yeah, the name of the podcast, right? So this is <laughs> very important language here at Cross Point. Uh, what do I mean? We don't wait on people to pursue us. We pursue them. Right. Jesus is clear in the Great Commission. He tells us to go. And that is a command, not an option. Right. Right. So, hey, if you feel like going, that'd be great. <laughs> no, he tells us to go. And, and the word means as you go. Mm-hmm. And so the idea is simply this, that we go to the nations, but we also go to our neighbors. That yes, we go across the world, but we also go across the street and we meet people right where they are, all in hopes of getting them to the one that they need. And I would say on a practical level, pursuing requires listening. Yeah. Uh, we, we listen to people. We don't just assume that we know all of their issues and men, if they would just listen to us, we could fix them. Um, but are you, wait, hold on a second. I, yeah. Are you sure about that? I think so. I think I'm right. I th- <laughs> great missionaries are great listeners. I've said that many times, but, uh, but listening communicates care. It communicates value. And uh, I would also say that pursuing people requires befriending them. So what yeah. Jesus did with Zacchaeus, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I don't want anyone to believe the lie that befriending a sinner means that you befriend their sin because that's false. Right. No, we can befriend sinners without befriending their sin. Proximity does not equal permission. Yeah. And I have found one of the easiest ways to befriend other sinners is to break bread, mm-hmm. uh, to share a meal 
food has a way of fostering friendship. Yeah. And friendship is what opens the door for mission. So those are a few practical ways that I would say to pursue people. Now that's great. I think that, um, well, just from my childhood, like upbringing, like what it meant to share your faith. You know, I grew up yeah. in a very traditional church. Yep. Me too. Um, and you know, it's a way it's not, I'm not saying it's necessarily the wrong way or whatever, but you know, it was knocking on doors on Saturday morning. Right. Right. You know, do you know where you're going to go when you die? Yep. Uh, which, you know, in my experience wasn't overly fruitful. Right. Yep. yep. Uh, versus, you know, inviting someone into your home or into your life right. to befriend them and then have that door be opened to be able to share the gospel as a friend and not as some weirdo standing on your front porch <laughs> uh, has ten, generally tended to be more fruitful. But yeah. Um, so let's jump to the third thing. Okay. So uh, you said the third way that we can engage uh, in the mission is by serving. That's right. That's right. Yep. So uh, I think there are a couple aspects to this. On the one hand, this means that we use our gifts to serve the church. And so serving the church is part of disciple making, mm -hmm. right? Right. And so that's important, but it also means using our gifts to serve people outside the church. Yeah. And so I, I truly believe that if you've spent time praying for that Zacchaeus in your life, that person who's far from God, and you have pursued them, you've listened, you've shared a meal, broken bread, uh, prioritized friendship, at some point, they've told you how you can serve them, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. They, like they've told you, man, I'm struggling in my marriage. Mm -hmm. uh, things aren't good. And so you go out, you buy a gift card, you know, you provide babysitting for the date night and, and you send them out, right, to yeah. invest in their marriage. Or, you know, they told you that they suffered some kind of injury at work and and you realize, man, grass getting long. And so you go over on a Saturday morning, right? And, yeah. and you get out your lawnmower and you break out your gas can and you do all the yard work for them. But when you serve people like that, you are truly exemplifying the heart of Christ. Mm -hmm. I mean, he says in Matthew, uh, Mark, Mark, excuse me, Mark 10, 45, that he came not to be served, but to serve and to give yeah. his life as a ransom for many. And when you and I lay our lives down for the good of other people, people ask a question. Yeah. Like when we do these things um, and, and we do them all to exemplify Christ, people want to know why. Yeah. Why did you do that? And that's when we get to engage the mission in way number four. Yep. So I'm, I'm going to lob it back that's up fine. to you. That's I'm going to lob it back up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So, you know, I think where you're going is the, the fourth way that we do it is by sharing. That's so like, right. you know, this picture you've kind of painted for us so yep, far, yep. Um, you know, through, um, you know, your prayer and pursuing and service, you know, it inevitably leads to what we're about to talk about, which is yep. the actual sharing part. And I think yeah. it was... Um, I think it might've been David Platt. I might be messing this up, but you know, he said that, um, you know, there's this idea of this relational evangelism, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, but the problem with it is, is most of the time it spends a lot of time working on the relationship and it never gets to evangelism. That's right. So, yeah. you know, his deal was like relational evangelism is neither relational or evangelism if it doesn't get to the gospel. That's right. That's exactly <laughs> uh, right. Because if you never get to the point of sharing, then what are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, so then let's talk about that then. So, when they've asked the question, mm -hmm. like, hey, dude, I really appreciate it, but what you're doing is weird. Yeah. Nobody else would do this for me. Please help me understand right. why you're doing this. Yes. And then we get to this opportunity to share. What yep. does that look like? Yeah, well, my, I'm like, you nailed it. I mean, we have to open our mouths and share the good news of the gospel. Mm -hmm. You know, there's that old quote that, you know, shows up on the lame Christian coffee cups at times. <laughs> uh, it's wrongly attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. I don't think he ever said it, but... Yeah. Uh, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. Right. 
The problem with the quote is simply this. The gospel always requires words. It's news, right? You cannot share news unless you open your mouth and speak words. Faith comes from hearing. That's exactly it. And so at some point, we have to to say something. This is what Christ has called us to do. We've been sent into the world as messengers. Uh, We've been sent to proclaim the praises of the one who calls people out of darkness and into light. And according to Paul, that good news is the power of God for salvation, Romans 1.16. Um, nobody's getting saved because you cut their grass. Yeah. Nobody's getting saved because you sent them on a date night. People get saved when the gospel of Jesus Christ is proclaimed. That's right. And so at some point, you have to open your mouth and proclaim that news. Yeah. Yep. That's awesome. All right. Well, I think we could just leave that one right there. That yep, was pretty I good. I think it's done. Yes. <laughs> All right. So last thing, fifth, fifth way we can engage with yeah. the mission is we give. Yes. This is the one that everybody gets excited yes. about. Money. Yeah. Let's don't, talk about it. Don't change the podcast. Don't. Ch- yes. Stay with me. But, but no, this is what we see Zacchaeus doing. Yeah. Zacchaeus invested his money to fund the mission of Christ. Mm-hmm. And the truth is we've been called to do the same. Right. Um, we are stewards. We don't own anything. God owns everything. And God has given us a portion of what belongs to him mm-hmm. so that we can manage it for his glory and the good of the world. And God calls us. I mean, Jesus talks about money all the time throughout the gospels, but we've been called to give a portion of what he's given to us back to him for the sake of mission. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, here at Crosspoint, when we ask people to give, that's the purpose. Right. This is not just, hey, give because that's what good Christians do. Mm-hmm. No, it's it's give so that we can get the gospel to more people and to more places where it hasn't gone yet. Uh, give so that more disciples can be made. And this is also why we ask people to give cheerfully yeah. with the right attitude. That that matters. Like God is not honored when we give begrudgingly. Bible asks them to do that uh, I gotta too. I got to do this, yeah. <laughs> um, no, God is honored when we give joyfully, yeah. knowing that lives will be changed by our generosity. Yeah, that's good. All right. Well, I feel like that's a pretty good place to stop. Next week, we're going to tackle the last piece of our strategy, which is multiply. So don't miss that episode. It'll come up um, next week. But uh, until then, uh, know that we love you. We're here for you. And we'll see you next week.